This is part two of our interview with Ryan Van Dyke. Dylan and Sam discussed with Ryan from Van Dyke Trucking about trucks, dairy farming, and trucking. There's a big, sorry to keep interrupting, but there's a big sign on the side. My mom is in the sign business, so I'm pretty sure she made this, but it says Merry Christmas from Oregon. Merry Christmas, Kansas City from Oregon. And it's got the Ram logo on it and the logo that whatever company the tree came from. And Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then also our logo was built from Ryan's from mom. Them, yes, from the podcast well. logo. Uh, but you guys have pretty iconic trucks, especially around the area. And then... I want to know how those colors came into play. So, yeah, if anybody's seen our trucks, they're, I'm not going to say they're hard to miss because they're clean. We try and keep them clean, but they're hard to miss because they're very, very bright green. Um, and that was, it was a company color. Well, it, I'm pretty sure it was a Freightliner color. So we run all Peterbilts. Um, every one of our trucks is Peterbilt. And, uh, Back in the 90s, my dad was, they were ordering a new truck for my dad to drive. And back then we had all different colors. We had baby blue, dark blue, Pepsi blue, maroon, red, three different shades of green. Like it, it, it looked pretty cool driving by our yard on a Saturday when all the trucks are parked. And we didn't swap trailers then either. We, we drop and hook trailers a lot now. But when we started dropping and hooking trailers, you'd have a green truck hooked to a red trailer, a blue truck hooked to a yellow trailer, and it just looked like Skittles just dumped out on the, on the highway, right? So since then, we've transitioned everything to this green color. And going back to that custom truck in Coos Bay that I was talking about, that guy had a trucking company back in the day. And uh, he he was a guy that ordered a bunch of different colors as well. And um, he had had a truck that green color. And so my dad called him up and said, hey, would you mind if we ordered a truck that color? It's it's different. You know, we like it. Oh, yeah, go ahead. So the first, first thing we ever did with that color was a 95. Um, we built a, a 352H model cab over, rebuilt it, pulled it out of a field in Nevada and rebuilt it and painted it the same color. And my dad and grandpa, they worked both of them, but they showed both of them as well. Professionally, my dad showed. And uh, not until about 2007 did we end up getting another one that color. And then in 2010, we started switching everything over. Gotcha. Um, And then you're mentioning about, is it the ATHS? Yes. I want to talk a little bit about that for people that don't under, might not understand that yeah. and kind of uh, what that is and then what it does for the trucking world. Yeah. So the ATHS is the American Truck Historical Society. It's kind of a, it's, it's based out of Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, it's, I'd say it's a little bigger than a club. It's not like your small Corvette club that you have in town or whatever, you know, that would deal with classic cars. But basically they, uh, they're a preservation of American trucking history or trucks in general, right, from all over the world. Um, and, and they have, there's I think 90 some individual chapters of ATHS. So here locally, our local chapter is Pacific Northwest. Um, you've got you know, Northern California and Southern Nevada or whatever, you know, for every area that you probably got a chapter pretty close to you. And what they do is kind of, um, this sounds boring, but they kind of collect artifacts, you know, people, people donate, uh, trucks to them where, so Dylan, where your grandpa Bill's truck came from was, was, uh, they were a well-known trucking company, McKay's around here. And, uh, Mike, the owner, when he, was kind of retiring and getting out. He ended up donating one of his trucks. It's an it's an old B model Mac, I believe a B model. Could be wrong. I'm not a Mac historian, but it's it's up there at the Pacific Northwest Truck Museum, and it's painted that two tone blue like your grandpa's truck was. Cause that was their company color. But so they'll they'll each chapter will have a show every year, a small show. Um, when I say small, I guess the Brooks truck show that our chapter puts on has really evolved into quite a deal for uh, the, the trucking industry. Uh, I don't know if I'd say nationwide, but definitely wait, the, the nationwide. Is that the U.S. or is that the world? Okay. I wouldn't US. say worldwide. I'd say nationwide. It's become quite a quite an ordeal. Yeah, if you're going worldwide, you're putting uh, trucks on boats. That gets yeah. a You'd be surprised. It, yeah, oh, I'm sure it happens. Yeah. So let's <laughs> actually, talk. Actually, Robert. Robert. <laughs> yeah. This, 
and he is the the funniest guy ever. But but Dylan's grandpa, maybe you could tell this story a little bit better. But no, go ahead. Well, D- Dylan's grandpa ends up befriending this Australian guy named Robert, and uh, he's a arborist over in Australia. Very very knowledgeable guy, but he he. He's about a million miles an hour talking, walking, taking pictures, but he knows his stuff and he, he really likes old trucks. And I don't know how he ended I, up with your grandpa, but he just showed up one day, I think. I think, yeah, I think so. He just showed up at the shop and, and he's kind of one of those guys you just couldn't get rid of, not in a bad sense at all, but just, he would just wouldn't leave. And so every ATHS, I guess I should preface this by there's a local chapter show every year, but every year there is also a national show where everybody gets together from all the chapters. And uh, we, I, I said every third year, which is true because it goes West Coast, Midwest, East Coast. It kind of gives everybody a chance to get to attend a national show. But so Robert would come for every national show and, and tag along with Bill and Dale and, you know, that ended up tagging along with me and my dad and, and grandpa and everything. And they ended up, he ended up buying a truck over here. And I think Dale's mechanic converted it to right-hand drive. Mm-hmm. And then they took it to a national show and then they tore it all apart. Put it in crate. Put it in a crate <laughs> or a shipping container and shipped it off to Australia. Whoa. So Robert's yeah, a, pretty crazy. He's a funny guy. I just remember one time my dad was rebuilding that 63 mm-hmm. Kenworth and we're down in the barn and then all of a sudden I hear my grandma up there going, uh, what is he doing here? <laughs> and he just showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> no call, nothing. Nothing, no call. <laughs> just shows up at their house, comes down to the barn, walks right in the door and just starts taking pictures. Which like, is one thing if it's your neighbor, but when he comes all the way from Australia, it kind of strikes you a little bit different, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. What are you, what are you, photo, a photo blogger or what's, what do you got going on? <laughs> it's so, pretty um, funny, man. Let's talk about these truck shows a little bit. So what... What's the purpose of them? Obviously, really cool. Sounds like there's a lot of camaraderie. It's a good time to get industry folks together. I'm mm-hmm. guessing there's probably vendors from all different things selling mud flaps and trucker hats and all the different accessories. But um, is what I mean, you're getting your brand out there, obviously, at the show. Yeah. Obviously, it's just probably just a cool time. But is there prize or purse money involved? Like, is there any of that? Well, they're, for ATHS, they really strive to just kind of be a get together. And I think they're a nonprofit, but I, I do think they, they take donations as you know, for, for helping the, the cause, but also I believe they, they have a, what's the word? I'm drawing a blank. A mission statement probably. Or? They do. Um, uh, you'll have to cut this part out because I can't remember the word, but, um, like if you go to college and you get a... Registration. Sorry. ATHS, I believe, has some sort of scholarship. Scholarship. Is what I was going for there. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know what that all entails, but... So, yeah, they, it, they don't have any... Um, they don't have any trophies or anything like that at these shows. But there is, if you want to get into the national circuit... Of uh, there's a show truck circuit that goes around called the American Truck Show Circuit, I think ATCS, and it's sponsored by you know Dynaflex Stacks, which is kind of just like the the leader in in exhaust systems for for big trucks, um, and they'll have you know a, a prize money at the end. Every show you can either enter in the national circuit or you can just show up if it's in your area and enter into the Washington Show, and they've got different classes for you know. When my dad was showing a lot, he showed through uh, Pride and Polish, which was a show circuit back then, and then uh, kind of a dumb name, but it's called NAST, National Association of Show Trucks, and he showed in that circuit as well. And they'd have anything from, you know, it got a little out of hand, I'm going to tell you. I mean, just have first, second, third place. People's choice, that's the best way to do it because a, a lot of these guys get really, really butthurt when they clean their trucks up for a week and they don't win something. Because, you know, Joe Blow over there was friends with the judge or whatever. And uh, I have been accused of that a couple times. I've, I've been asked to judge for truck shows and I go through and I pick what I like. And then they get mad at me because I didn't pick who they wanted to win. And then they end up rigging the, rigging the thing anyway. It just happened at a show last October. Well, and the thing about it, I mean, 
I'm sure they're all dialed up about as good as they, that would be a hard thing to judge. I mean, I would think because it's all in what your aesthetics and what you like, because you can go, you know, with, uh, like I showed you that picture of that guy with those running lights, Mm because I thought that looked cool Mm -hmm. on the freeway last night, you know? So I was like, oh, I'm talking to Ryan tomorrow. I'm going to take a picture of that. Yeah. But it's, you know, there's so many different accessories you can put on a truck. Yeah. And so like you were saying, these vendors come to shows, um, not so much at ATHS. This one coming up though in Reno which we'll talk about in a little bit. They'll, they'll have some vendors there because it's a national show, but like our local chapter really doesn't. You know, the our, the local Chrome shop is a big sponsor, so they'll have a booth there, but that's about it. And what what is the purpose of those accessories? Like a Chrome, like Chrome is just looks cool? Chrome will get you home, baby. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Yeah. It's there's just, there's uh, not a, a functionality no, component to no, it. It just not, looks cool, right? Not at all. It's, it's just an aesthetic thing. It's a pride thing. Uh, I think truck drivers are probably some of the most... Um, not prideful in a bad way, but proud people when it comes to their trucks. I mean, that's, that's their livelihood. They, and some guys never wash their stuff. You know, it's no different than their, than their Honda Accord that they take back and forth to the grocery store. But, um, to guys like me and, and these guys like Dylan's family and, and that go to these truck shows, they really, we really care about them. You know, we want them to look as cool as we can and, and everybody's got their own taste. I see a, see a lot of stuff that I don't like, but you know what? That's what that person likes. And it's hard not to, not to be judgmental, but it's hard not to look at a truck I don't like and say, it's hard not to say something. Whereas like, oh man, I don't like that. And the West Coast has a, a, a very, very long tradition of putting out some of the nicest trucks ever. So does the East Coast, mainly Pennsylvania area. Um, so like the 717 area code is like everybody talks about it. And that's oh. that's a Pennsylvania thing. And so There's uh, probably trucker hats that say 717 oh yeah. on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're going yeah, to have to get one, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get you one. <laughs> Hang it on the wall in here. <laughs> but that's it's, – it's, it's funny. Everybody's got their own taste, and, and you can usually tell where a guy's from based off of what their truck looks like. Pacific Northwest in general has a very distinct look. Um, the Central Valley of California has a very distinct look. LA in the eighties, you just knew that truck was from LA. Utah has a, you know, Salt Lake. A lot of those guys are running stained glass windows and, and sandblast etched windows in their trucks. And you kind of just knew that guy was from Salt Lake area. And then the Midwest is kind of a conglomeration of everything, uh, that nobody else liked. And so the Midwest put it together and most of them look really terrible. So not to the people in the Midwest, (laughs) not to the people in the Midwest. I'm sorry if you're a trucker in the Midwest, but it's not you need your, to help some of your buddies out. It's not Ryan's <laughs> aesthetic. Yeah. yeah, they need some help out there. Well, I was curious. So, if you were to replace your truck, brand new, with all the things you have on it, give me a sticker price. Well, the market fluctuates. So, post COVID, uh, let, let's let me back up a little bit. My truck, brand new, was one hundred fifteen thousand dollars. But you have to remember, or I guess you wouldn't have to remember because you don't know, a lot of our trucks are, are what they call glider kits. And when emissions started rolling out for heavy trucks, um, man, it's not good. You know, those DPF filters, the DEF exhaust fluid, that stuff is not good for a motor, but they have to comply, you know, for the, for the country's uh, emissions board, right? And so what you were able to do, you can't do it anymore, but what we were able to do was you can buy a truck as a glider kit, which means it has no motor, no transmission. Now, what this intended for back in the day when they first started doing this was if if you had a truck that was pretty new or however old, whatever, you wreck it, right? But the motor's still good, the transmission's still good, the running gear's still good, but the frame's bent and the cab's smashed. I mean, you're going to spend a lot of money trying to repair all that. So you could buy a glider kit and basically put your old motor in it, put your transmission and running gear and all that stuff. And what it turned into was us being able to build trucks with the motors that we wanted. So we, a lot of our trucks, we run... uh, late model, you know, 6NZ cats or 5EK cats that have been rebuilt. And then we put a new transmission behind it and boom, you got a truck that's going to last you a million miles before you have to have the truck rebuilt instead of, um, you know, some of this newer stuff that's going to 
have a sensor go bad on your way home from the dealer and you can't get in the shop until Monday, well, the part is back ordered and it's in Japan and, oh, you, we're going to have to expedite ship that here. And, and it's just a really nasty business. So about half of our fleet is, is glider kits. So you're looking at when we built my truck in 17, 16, late 16, early 17, um, probably about 115 for the truck, 50 for the motor, you know, five to 10 for the tranny, all the other parts. I'd say it was probably right around 200. But post COVID, when the factories were shut down, you couldn't get a new truck. I mean, even now to this day, you try and get a new truck in on order. You're lucky if you get a spot. And on top of that, it's going to be two years out because they're so back ordered, and you you know just the workforce isn't there like we discussed earlier, and the prices have gone up. So my truck, as you know, fancy per se as it is, or as customized as we wanted it, right around two hundred thousand. We just got a quote last week for a new one that would still be two years out for two hundred and fifty something. But if I would have sold my truck when that COVID thing was going on, I guess I shouldn't say my truck. It's my grandfather. It's the company's truck. I just drive it, take care of it like it's my own. But if the used truck market was just insane, could have sold that thing for two fifty, three hundred thousand. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's it was ridiculous. How many miles do you have on yours? Mine now it's got uh, four hundred and fifty six thousand. And you and still three hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was a pretty pretty crazy era of tr- truck sales. I mean, if you were a used truck salesman um, back in twenty twenty one twenty two, you were doing pretty good. It's fall it's fallen off a little bit now, but it's still up there. I mean, I I don't think there's no reason I couldn't get two hundred out of it. So well, and like you were getting at, if you don't have with the time in which you built it out, you didn't have to have all that sensor nonsense on oh, and that's that what a lot of people problems. look for too and yeah. that and that really drives your price up um another thing that drove price up in older trucks too was when when electronic logbooks came out um 95 and older weren't required to have it because they said that the ecm couldn't hook up to it well that's not true because it's still got an electric ecm basically anything mechanical like a b model cat a c model cat or or uh, older Cummins or whatever that doesn't have an ECM, it can't have an electronic log. There's no electronics there. And so, but that cutoff that they made was 95 and older. So everybody wants a 95 or older because I don't want to run e-log, which I don't blame them. E-logs suck. And what e-log, logbook, you know, we have to log our our time every day. It's very, very heavily regulated. On how much you're sleeping and driving kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, you can only, so you get a 14-hour day you can only drive 11 of those hours. If you say I'm driving straight 11 hours, I can only drive for 11 hours. You have to take a 30 minute break every eight hours. And you and so at the end of that 14 hour day, you have to take 10 hours off. So if I get in the yard at five, I can leave again at three. If I get in at seven, I can you know leave again at five, whatever. And so those older era trucks you don't have an e-log. They don't have an e-log. So it's a paper log. It's system? a paper log. You lo- you write it down yourself, and you can kind of, you know you can manipulate it. I won't say there's people that do that. I would have no de- no idea if people did that or not. You know, <laughs> it might happen. <laughs> it might happen. Yeah, I might have you know I might have dabbled in it a, t- a time or two, but it's just it's not even it's it's made it worse. Is what it, it's what it's done. It's it's pushed the truck driver to have to speed. They did it in the name of safety. You know, we need to make sure you guys are getting your ten hours off. Well, okay, you can have your ten hours off, but maybe you only slept for five of them. Nobody else is. You're not you're not logging your time at home. What you're doing, you know, you're up until midnight and you got to get up at five. So yeah. you're just as tired as you were before. But it's pushed guys to to really. I mean kind of drive, not not me or, or any of our guys, but I see it a lot, guys that are driving very recklessly um, because, hey, man, I got to try and get there before my, my 14 hours is up. Or, well, and if you're getting paid by that load, you know, you want to get that load delivered. Well, it's all about efficiency, you yeah. know. And it it's just added another stressor into your day because you're you got this clock looking at you in the face ticking down instead of the leisurely pace of, you know what, I can 
save 15 minutes here on my paper log book and I'll put that 15 minutes over here or half an hour or whatever it, whatever it was. And some of these big trucking companies too, don't they have a um, suppressor that stops you at a certain miles per hour? Yeah, like a governor. Yeah, yeah a governor. We, we run yeah. it on our trucks, um, usually about 65 or 70. Um, the speed limit here is is 60 for trucks. Washington, it's also 60. California is 55. I... I used to do about 65, 67. You can get away with almost 70 here in a truck, but I just, I get so tired of always catching trucks and having a pass. I hate having a pass because I just, you know, set the cruise and just roll. It's a lot more relaxing. So I usually set my cruise at like 59, 60, and everybody can blow my doors off if they want. I don't care. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the camaraderie between truckers. Like we've all heard about the CB system mm-hmm. and, you know, the 10-4 good buddy and, you know, the kids doing the honk your horn as they're driving by you. And, you know, is there different code words that you can share without like getting your buddies, you know, upset at you for talking about it? But is there are there things that you guys say like, you know, about speed traps or watching out for, you know, somebody flying by in a Corvette or... yeah. Um- the the cop thing, like warning your buddies about cops, it, it's a little easier now. And because back in those days, uh, cops would have CBs in their car, so you'd have to, you know, come up with a code word, a code or, word or whatever. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of funny people that have come up with this stuff. You know, uh, there's a bubblegum machine with a with a customer sitting over there you know well that refers to an you know an old light on the top of a, a cop car spinning around looks kind of like a bubblegum machine and and uh but the world of cb is really falling off nobody me and a lot of my buddies are big into it big powered cb radios and and i mean i could get into a lot of a lot of cb stuff because there's what what's called a base station you got a, a big radio in your house and those guys, we can talk to them. There's a big community of it up in Portland. Uh, they have like competitions and stuff. See who has the biggest radio. I've never been to one, but um, there's also a thing called Skip, uh, which is where your your radio waves are bouncing off the atmosphere. And so I can hear guys from Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, Hawaii, talking on their big radios, and they've got so much power, and it's hitting the at- atmosphere just right that it's bouncing down and reaching my truck, right? And that that is just wild to me. And and it's better on on days where the atmospheric pressure is really low. And so it just it doesn't have to go up so high to bounce back down. But I w- I wish more people used a radio because it just like yesterday for instance, there was a wreck on the freeway. I saw a friend of mine, "Hey, you should hop off right there and go around. You're going to be backed up for a while." Okay, thanks, you know. Like if everybody had their radio on or used a radio, they could have picked up on that and probably saved themselves half an hour of sitting in wreck traffic or whatever. So they do get used, but not as much as they used to. So what do people do now? They just, they're just on their own kind of lone ranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Use their phone or, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these e-log devices have a map built into it that'll live update just like Apple CarPlay or whatever. And so it'll, tell you know, them. warning ahead, blah, 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 blah. Here's your next route. I don't use any of that because I'd rather just use common knowledge, but uh, I'm sure it. I'm sure it works. I want to hop back on to the truck show thing because we mm. talked about Brooks, and then you mentioned that the national show in Reno. Yep. Um, and did you ever go to Hot August Nights? Ye- well, Hot when August it- Nights. Yes, uh, I'm trying to remember. Because the Hot August Nights obviously is the car show yeah, in Reno, but, but they, they did something with the trucks. I don't know if it was it at the same time as the car show, or was yes. it like the week before? I, it was um, as what I was remembered or what I was told was it was the same time. Okay, and then they did a truck. So parade. yes, I have been there, and there's there's some really cool videos of the truck parade in downtown Reno. I think it's interesting to think about how I think truckers are probably one of the only like profession that everybody in America knows about. They might not know much about it, but the American trucker, I mean, that's just, you don't have people like, like you were saying with the kid honking the horn, you know, people don't go up to construction workers framing a house and do a little hammer, you know, (laughs) thing with their hand. It's just pretty crazy. The turnout that we get at some of these truck shows of your everyday American. And I wonder that myself, I go to these truck shows and I'm like, why would... 
why is somebody here and they don't have a truck? They just decided to to go to the show. How did you even hear about this? You know what yeah. I mean? Well, trucks are cool. Yeah, I mean, they are. And every little boy loves trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then also I wanted to ask you what was your favorite truck show mm. for me like the brooks it has such a nostalgic thing because that's how i started getting right. into the truck thing with my grandpa and stuff so that's kind of where i gravitate to then we went to reno a couple years ago um last time my grandfather unfortunately was able to go to one but man that was such a cool experience to be there at the grand sierra resort yes. and see all those trucks and just they're beautiful man mm -hmm. they're from everywhere and these turnouts of these national shows we're talking anywhere from 700 to a thousand trucks uh, it's it's big, and every sh every show is a little bit different. The Brooks show is kind of the same thing every year, but they've really incorporated the working truck side of things into that. Because back, Dylan and I were talking about this yesterday, but ATHS used to be only historical trucks. They had to be considered an antique, which is twenty five years or older. But now they're being a little bit more lenient because I think they've realize that there's kind of been a, a fall off in numbers. Nobody like the 17 year old or 18 year old that's building this first truck or whatever might not really care about old trucks. And he's not allowed to go to the show because you have a cutoff. Like, you know, that's not cool. And so I think they really, I think ATHS realized that, you know, we need to start letting these these newer trucks come in and get people involved in what we do. And, and that might segue into them, you know, becoming a member of ATHS. I don't really understand what being a member does for you. I'm not going to say that you shouldn't do it. I mean, I think it's free, but, uh, you know, tr trying to get younger people involved in the trucking industry is something that they, um, are working on doing. But, but like you said, I mean, the American trucker, I mean, look at how it's been used in politics, you mm -hmm. know, at different times. Recently, there's been a lot of trucking stuff that's been out on the, you know, the national spotlight. And all of us, without the truckers, we don't realize how much that impacts our daily lives with all the, everything's moving on a truck, typically. Yep. So. Yeah. And even if it's on a train, it's still a truck bringing it from the train yard to your local grocery store, um, you know, Costco. Everybody loves Costco. Go there and spend 400 bucks. Well, everything in that store came in there on a truck. Everything in your house was on a truck. I mean, that's, you look at Amazon, you know, the amount of stuff that they move. If you didn't have trucks, you, you would never, ever be able to do any of that. So, yeah. And that brings us back full circle to what we were talking about before with the dairy farmers. We've got this big Amazon complex on I 5. I'm sure you guys have oh, seen yeah. it. And that was probably some farmer. That sold that farm ground. Got paid to out Amazon. pretty good. Yeah, probably. got paid out pretty good. He's going to go move <laughs> his farm somewhere else. Right. But I, um, the the thing I struggle with most with trucks is where my house is at. I have to merge onto I five all the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a kid, when you were merging on to the freeway, the courtesy, if you will, from the other drivers was to get into that left lane and let you get on. Now I don't know if there was a a law change or something, but nobody moves anymore. So you've got to time that. Perfectly, And sometimes these trucks are going, you know, 70, 75 miles an hour in the right hand lane and you've got seven trucks in a row and I'm trying to get on the freeway and it's crazy. Yeah. We just had an instance this week, uh, actually. So it's kind of hard because the way we get treated on the freeway not is not good. I mean, I ought to share some of the dash cam footage I have just of last week of incidences that have happened, you know, people cutting us off, passing you when they shouldn't be. Um, I had one yesterday, just like you were saying, I couldn't get over. There's a car next to me. Sometimes that happens and, and people don't see that there's a car there. The law is you as a car driver, and I'm not saying you, Sam, but in general, the car, whoever's getting on the freeway, they are merging with traffic. You have to adjust to what's going on, right? Now, I'm not going to say that, I've never been a person that won't get over just because, you know what? You guys cut, these cars, they cut me off 24 seven. You can speed up and slow down a lot faster than I can. Cause we're moving in Oregon and Washington, Idaho, Montana art. We're weighing, you know, 105,500 pounds rolling down the freeway, 102,000 in Oregon. But, um, it's hard to stop. And it's hard to speed up when you got that much weight. And so for a car, it's a lot easier to mash on the throttle and maybe clean out your, well, I guess I can't say carburetor anymore, but 
clean out your carburetor a little bit and, and get going. But I had an instance yesterday I couldn't get over um, in Salem. This lady had to slam on her brakes, quote unquote. So what's she do? You know, flies up next to me, gets in front of me, slams on her brakes, flips me off out the window. And it's just like, I'm sorry, you lady, you don't understand big picture here. And I will say, even driving in my pickup, I'll take a trip to California here and there. And even I do get frustrated with truck drivers, right? It, some of the things that they do, you know, just don't make sense. But when you're in the truck driver's seat, it's hard to, it's hard for people to realize what we all have going on, right? What can, what's the worst thing that we can do as other motorists that would just drive a truck driver crazy? So is it that pulling in front of you and hitting the brakes? Or let's say I'm trying to get off at an exit at Albany, for example, and I'm I'm flying up, mm-hmm. and there's a truck in the right hand side, mm-hmm. and I just bounce over real quick, and yeah. that's got to drive truckers crazy. Yeah, the that one does because it's unsafe. Um, you know, I see a lot of people do that. And what if there's a truck on on the side of the road and they go over a little too far because they jerked the wheel to get to get over to the exit, and boom, you just kill the guy changing a tire, right? Or you miss the exit, especially that one there at Albany by the Home Depot. You know, it's got that, it's a sharp corner getting right off the freeway and there's a big wall there. That thing gets hit at least three times a year from that same thing. People trying to just, I got to get past that truck. I got to get past that truck. Last second they cut it over. Well, boom, there's a wall there. I'm sorry, you're dead now. Um, The one that really gets me is either people pulling out in front of me when I'm coming down, you know, the highway at 60 miles an hour. Highway 34 is terrible for that because it's it's like a freeway speed, but there's there's roads that come on and off of it. And then another bad one people don't realize is coming up to a stoplight, it changes yellow, and then you get over in front of me and then stop. Because there's a lot of times us as truck drivers have to run a yellow light or a red light because if I'm going to stop, even though I have my load tied down securely, that stuff's going to come through my trailer if I got to slam on my brakes. So I'm just, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going through the light. Well, and people are doing that because they know you're going to be slow to start, right? right. So yep. they're thinking, okay, if I can get in front of this guy, mm-hmm. but then obviously they're not thinking so about now I, now your I, load. Say, a, say a, a full-size pickup. Now I got to stop that much closer to where I was, to where I would be originally. Yeah, you just you know? lost 20 feet, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But uh, I cut, I, we kind of cut Dylan off on his truck show um, question. Sam on his rants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I have to get through my questions. <laughs> yeah, that's no, okay. I, I don't know if we'll ever get Ryan to come back again. Yeah. Hopefully I just live down. I just live down the street. Yeah. So. Well, I just, I mean, the only thing that it was really that question was, uh, what was your favorite truck show? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I, I've been blessed to be able to attend some of the coolest events um around for trucking we've got invited to uh peterbelt does an open house every year the the factory like where they make peterbelt trucks in denton texas does a a show every year where they invite 50 trucks from the u.s and canada maybe mexico too i don't know um and we've we've got the chance to go to that three times and that's that's a pretty cool deal you know you get to go out to texas you get a the show is on the factory grounds um you, you get to go through downtown denton because half the people living in denton work at the peterbelt factory or the Packar plant Packar peterbelt and kenworth are owned by Packar, and uh, they make their own engines and, and stuff like that but you get to go through one of the nights and do kind of like they used to do in reno you know through downtown um you go through the denton square they announce your truck where you're from what you do and all the factory workers and their families are all lined the, the streets and you roll through and they don't ever get to see, all they get to see is brand new trucks. So when my truck left in the factory in 2016, 2017, they never saw it again. They saw a white and green truck roll off the line, but they never saw what we got to do with it. They never saw what kind of parts we put onto it. So it's a cool opportunity for those people to um, see what we do with them once we get them, right? Yeah. And so that Saturday at the show, the, the plant totally closes down. You can walk through pretty much any section of the factory you want. And then it's closed to the public, but all the, all the, uh, all the employees and their families, it's like an open house. They get to come and, and check everything out. So I picture at these 
this is from video games, you know, in the old days, like uh, the ones where you're racing in a, in a truck. Yeah. So I'm picturing oh, at yeah. these truck shows, all these lights and all this stuff. And these girls in Daisy Dukes and bikini tops with big white checkered flags <laughs> waving them around <laughs> as the truck's coming. That's just where my mind goes as you're describing this. There's, and I don't know if that's just nostalgia from playing too many video games. There's or, a little bit more classiness that goes on at some of these events. But I will say, I mean, you get down, you get, you get to some of these shows and, They've got, uh, you know, models and there, there might be a photographer there that wants to, you know, can we use your truck for a photo shoot? I'm not really into that kind of stuff. Uh, those old, old Peterbilt ads of the seventies and eighties with the, with the women in the night dresses and very, very classy. And that's what, that's Peterbilt slogan class pays, you know, um, that's how I like to think of it. But no, most of the time it's just a bunch of just a bunch of truckers parked well, in a field. Why do you or, think there is that you know connection between women and trucking? Is it just because you know a truck can kind of have like the you know some curves to it and some cool? I just, think you know I think a truck is just always known as back in those days. You know everything's kind of plastic now and looks the same, but back in those days the elegance of the truck you know could be easily correlated with the elegance of a tall woman in a nightdress. Or when I say night dress, I just mean a very uh, like a nice evening like dinner dress, ball or, gown yeah, ball thing. gown type yeah. thing, not like a skimpy outfit. But I think that was you know the correlation of it all. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I look back and think of like old trucks, trucking TV shows, BJ and the Bear, and and um, White Line Fever, like those kind of things. Like it was all about the the trucker man and. Yeah, it's just it's a cool thing to be a part of, and and I I wish people, or maybe they'll maybe they'll learn a thing or two listening to this. But I wish people understood more uh, of what we do, and and um, yeah, it's it's cool. Then this year for Reno too, you guys are taking or you're building the truck for yeah. right now. Yep. So what George has done the last you know several national shows, we we usually try and do. Um, a show truck for every third year show, right? Like I was saying, um, we come back to the West Coast for for the third year, and so the last couple of years, you know, we built a we built a truck for for every show that we go to. And so this year, we're working on an old hay truck. It's a 1987 362. Uh, we bought it out of Lancaster, California, and not to drag this on, but California is known for producing some of the coolest hay trucks. No, the coolest hay trucks in the country, in the world, actually, um, just because of the dairy industry, right? Cows need to eat hay and you need to have somebody to haul the hay. Well, there is a lot of cool hay trucks, a lot of cool hay squeezes down there that, that people don't, I mean, people in the trucking industry might know about it, but my buddies in South Carolina and Pennsylvania, they don't know anything about it and they're in the trucking realm, right? It's just kind of the West Coast and especially California. Um specific setups just for hay. All those guys did was hold hay. So they, you know, lightweight beds, um, crunch everything together so you can get the most deck space as possible. So you could haul, you know, one extra row of bales that might be, you know, 16 extra bales, however it's stacked or whatever. And everything used to be hand stacked back then. So you could really pick and choose how many bales you wanted to get. Now everything is, is squeeze loaded and you're seeing a decline in small bale hay everything's gone to big bales. So it doesn't make that much of a difference anymore to have a specialized setup, but you still need to be lightweight um, to be able to, you know, haul as much product as you can. And so, yeah, that truck came out of California. It was, it was owned by uh, a guy named Odie Fox. He had a feed store. They had very, very nice trucks back then, uh, Fox Feed, and um, bought it off of a friend of, of mine and... Uh, we decided let's restore it for the Reno truck show. So we're just about done with it. We got the interior to put into it. The trailer's done. The truck's pretty, pretty well buttoned up, but we got a couple more things to do left. And as we come on, you know, about two months, well, actually today's the eighth. So two months from today, we'll be in Reno with that truck and we'll take another one of our hay trucks down there. And the reason we have old hay trucks, that's how George started, right? So yeah, it brings um, that family nostalgia back into it. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, um, this'll be, I think this'll be our third hay truck we've done full restoration. We've got, uh, a couple, let's see, well, 
as far as like show trucks and stuff, not that anybody asked, but we've got a 1976 cab over hay truck that was owned by a good friend of ours, also out of California, that very well-known hay company down there. Um, we've got a, a 77 hay truck, a 77 just tractor truck, um, a really small Chevy hay truck that was actually, we, we put artesia hay and grain on the door because that's where my grandpa you know, learn his love of trucks for was, was those guys' trucks. So, but yeah. Do Reno, you have, Reno's you have pictures looking. of all these trucks? Yeah, we can look through them once we're done. Yeah. Uh, it'd be, it'd be neat to, when we post this, we'll get some of those photos so that people can see what you're yeah. talking about. I think because the things you're describing, I mean, you do a really good job of describing him, but without a, some context, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be hard for people to understand what we're talking about. Yeah. I've got a lot of these pictures on my Facebook. I don't really get on Facebook too much anymore, but like my Instagram, there's a lot of these truck pictures on there. If, if anybody wants to go check them out. Um, uh, I've got a couple posts on there that I really enjoy looking back at from time to time, some historical posts of, of old trucks and, and kind of, I'd like to maybe include a little story in the, in the line there that tells a little bit about what's going on. And I got a couple more questions for you. Um, you know, cause we're the outdoor adventures podcast. Yep. Tell us about some wildlife you've seen while you're on the road. Oh, well I hit three deer a couple months ago. Uh, in your track. Yeah. Yeah. I was coming. I was, that's mostly what I see is, is deer. We, over the years we've, we've hit everything elk, bears, I mean, it's all out there. You know, deer don't know that it's a road crossing. In some parts of the country that I've come across, they do have wildlife crossing areas, which I think have helped. You know, it's just a big, huge overpass that looks like the woods and and deer tend to cross on that rather than, you know, they only put those in like high trafficked areas for animals. Um, but yeah, I was, I was headed out to Sweet Home early one morning and uh, I come around that bend just before the golf course and well, when you're doing 60 and it's dark at 2 a.m., you it's three deer standing there. You can't really do anything about it. Right in the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, they had started crossing from left to right and then they thought, oh, shit. So they started going back <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I got them pretty good. Luckily, they were small. It only wiped my bumper out. But, you know, uh, that stuff can do a lot of damage to a truck. And, and in places like Idaho, Montana, where you do have a more rural area, you know, here we don't see deer on the road that often. Um, but over there, I mean, there's trucks with, it's um, a brand, it's called Herd Bumper. I think that's the brand. But basically it's a giant bumper that protects the grill and the fenders and headlights. And you hit a deer doing 60 with that thing, that deer's just vaporized. You could you could hit a moose with that thing and it might not even bend. They look like they look terrible. I mean, they're ugly as sin. But but if you're in that area, but if you're in that, that area, it's a lot cheaper than having to replace a radiator and, and a hood every year. Well, in Oregon, we have this roadkill salvage rule now, where you can go pick up roadkill. Oh, but it sounds disgusting. like if it's hit by a truck, you probably don't want it. Well, yeah, that's gonna be some bruised meat. Yeah, I think. if you get the back end of it, it's not too bad. But I mean, if you hit one head on and it comes through your grill, yeah. Like we we had a we had one of our guys out in Boise, Idaho last year or something. He hit one pretty much head on and down truck. There, radiator, I, all the coolant's gone. I was envisioning more. Not necessarily animals you were hitting, oh. but animals you were driving by <laughs> in the field. No, this was an interesting conversation, but I was picturing like, okay, I'm driving by this field and, oh, there's a herd of antelope. Or, yeah. But I mean, you're focused on the roads. So you're probably not. Well, I do. Yeah. I do see in the coastal areas, a lot of elk, a lot of elk herds, especially along highway 38, uh, going into Reedsport. Um, a lot of elk herds over there, Tillamook Highway 6, there's a lot of elk up up in that area. But even, you know, some parts of the year here in the valley, you get a lot of elk out there by Buena Vista um, going down to the river. I'm not really sure where they're coming from. It's a long ways from any mountain range, but um, mostly elk and deer. I have seen a few antelope out in eastern Washington, eastern Oregon. Uh, we go to Spokane quite a bit, and my sister lives in Pendleton, so I try and... I. Am I supposed to say that? Yeah, she lives in Pendleton. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, so I try and you know go out and see her once in a while, and I'll I'll run across. The, probably the coolest thing now that I think of it is running up and down the gorge on eighty four. If you look really close, you can see mountain goats scale on the walls. You know where the rock walls are real tall, 
you don't see that very often, but you'd see them and it, it's pretty gnarly what they can what accomplish. They in, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, my last two questions were the craziest load you've ever hauled. And then while you're on the road, we know you listen to podcasts, but yeah. what else do you do to kind of entertain yourself while you're driving? And then also what's the craziest load you've ever hauled? Uh, craziest load. What do you define crazy? Yeah. Most challenging, let's say. Oh, um, so we don't really do any oversized anything. Um, like I was saying earlier, we're really good friends with Dylan's uncle that has Ram trucking. So if somebody calls us, and it's like something we don't normally do, we'll send them to, to Ram. And then if somebody calls them and it's something they don't normally do, but it's something we do, they'll send them to us. We kind of, we don't necessarily trade work back and forth, but it, you know, hey, call these guys. They'll probably get it handled for you. So we didn't end up hauling it, but one time somebody called my dad and asked us to haul a rhinoceros from a zoo, I think San Diego Zoo or something. And it had to go back to the South or something, Alabama. Georgia, somewhere around there. So my dad says, well, um, hmm, I would just call Ram. Uh, they, might, they might do it. And so lo and behold, they ended up, Dale had one of his guys haul this rhinoceros in a cage from California, I think, back out to the, back out to the south. And, oh, they had to stop to let it eat and shit. And I mean, I'm at, like that's something you'd only see in the movies. Like if anybody's ever seen Smokey and the Bandit, it's one of the most iconic movies ever, but Smokey and the Bandit 2, terrible sequel. But I think they had some elephants they were hauling around, right? And that's something like, oh, that's funny. They're hauling an elephant. Well, no, people haul rhinoceroses, you know? It's, God, that's crazy. Can you imagine that load? Yeah. Uh, uh. You got to have pretty good insurance, you know, to cover that, mm -hmm. that rhino yeah, I don't horn. think you're going to import a <laughs> South African rhino. That's, that is, we were going to talk about, that's a good way to keep the lot lizards away, probably. If you got yeah. a rhino in the back <laughs> of your truck, you know. <laughs> Especially if it's shitting and stuff. I bet you cow truckers, man, they probably don't got too many lot lizards knocking on their door. No. They're yeah. stinking up the whole parking lot. Yeah. Um, but as far as... Uh, we don't, we really don't get too crazy. I mean, those milking machines I hauled, that was probably one of the cooler loads. Anything ag related, I really enjoy doing. Um, you know, we, we haul a lot of grass seeds. So being out on, on the farms and prairies of, of Southwest or Southeast Washington and coming in down, you know, these really small towns, Lewiston, Idaho, and, and seeing all these cool areas, nobody gets to see like like Highway 12 coming back out of Lewiston towards Walla Walla, Pomeroy, Washington, just all these little tiny farm towns deep in the in the Palouse Hills is is probably one of the cooler areas uh, of of stuff I get to do. But um, and what was your last question? Oh well, what do you do while you're on the road? I mean, you're listening to podcasts. Yeah, so I listen to quite a few podcasts. I I I'm quite a music. I wouldn't say historian, maybe. I grew up in our shop, obviously, and my grandpa loves his 60s music. So we have Willie's Roadhouse XM on 24-7 in the shop, and, and I've, I've fallen in love with um, old music. I don't think any new music that comes out is really that great. Doja Cat's all right, I guess. But um, any... I, I try and find new music. As of late, I haven't been listening to a lot of music. I got, I got these Apple AirPods and they are the noise canceling. And sometimes I just turn the noise canceling on and I don't listen to anything. I just drive. And that's kind of nice. Um, I'll listen to, if I find an interesting sermon or something, I'll try and listen to that. Or like, this sounds bad, you know, watching YouTube while you're driving. I'm not necessarily watching it, but I'll look up something on YouTube. I got a dash mount for my phone and I can listen to it. I'll listen to a, a TED talk or, or a podcast or, or, or something like that. Yeah. Well, and, so, and your music taste is broad. I have a very wide spectrum of music. Yeah. I'll, I'll listen to, I really, really enjoy uh, Spanish, Mexican music, uh, cumbias, which is kind of just like a, from what I understand, a, a, a style of, of Mexican music. I don't know why I like it. Like I can barely speak Spanish, but I could sing you a whole song in Spanish once we're done, if you want. Um, old country, reggae. I love reggae music. I've, I've never smoked weed in my life, but some, for some reason, reggae music is just 
one of those things that hits my ears and it's just like, oh man, that's a good song. So you're an eclectic uh, connoisseur of music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I, I've got, uh, you know, a record player at the house and I, I like to go antiquing and, and stuff like that. So I'll dig through the record pile and see what I can dig up. And man, there's, there's a lot of cool music that nobody... Not it's not no fault of their own, but they just have never heard it, right? And I think for the listening audience, you should probably tell people your age because they're they're hearing about this historian <laughs> who goes antiquing, who has a record player in his house, yeah. and they're probably picturing you a little older than you. How yeah, old are you? Ryan? I'm I'm only 26. Yeah. Well, so. see, you're bringing it back. Yeah, yeah. I'm I trying to. I like to be. I like to. I don't. I don't deliberately try to be an old soul. I'm not saying I am, but I do tend to enjoy the the old things more. Um, like I said, you know, with music and stuff, a lot of that probably comes from listening to like Willie's Roadhouse because on Friday and Saturday nights, if I'm working in the shop, they have, you know, segments on there where they're playing some old country and we're talking like 30s, 20s. And I, it's a struggle. If I hear a song I like, I'll take a picture of the screen, right? And I'll try and listen to it later. Um it's hard to find some of that stuff even on YouTube, but they've got it there at Willie's Roadhouse. Well, and I mean, we haven't talked about our faith at all, but I'm guessing you're a man of faith based on some of the things you've said. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, when you're on the road that much, you have some time to talk to God. And- yeah, I I, um, I, wouldn't say my language all, always um, would, would say that I'm a man of God, but I, I try my hardest. And I, the last year or so, I've, I, you know, I was... I was raised Christian, went to Santa Am Christian high school all through from kindergarten through, uh, you know, high school. And I, it was just kind of one of those things you did, you know, you went to church, you, you went to youth group on Wednesday nights. I never really clicked with the youth group crowd. It, it wasn't really my thing. And I understand the importance of fellowship, but I, I think I can get more out of a, a fellowship meeting of a couple buddies than I can, you know, going to, uh, Wednesday night church or whatever. Um, I think church is important, yes, but I don't think you have to go every Sunday to call yourself a Christian because people can go to church every Sunday and play the part and and they don't have that relationship, you know, personal relationship with God. I'd say within the last year, I've really not like delved deep into it. Like real, I've just realized it more like what, the importance of a good relationship with God has been, I'd say, you know, realizing that we are just a sinful people uh, in nature. And I, I just, I posted this thing on Instagram last night. That's been pretty heavy with me for, for about a week, but it was a sermon that a guy had had on Barabbas. You know, Barabbas was, was the guy that was set free and he, and it was just such an eye-opening sermon. Uh, he talks about how we read the story, you know, actually a good time to talk about it because, you know, yesterday was Good Friday and coming up on Easter tomorrow. But you read the story and Bravis really doesn't seem to have much, why is he there? Why is that even mentioned is kind of what the guy's talking about. But then he he goes on to, to say that Jesus had to be, or God had to set Barabbas free if we were to be treated like we are set free, right? So him setting Barabbas free and it not making sense. And well, you know, he, Jesus didn't do anything. Barabbas was a, a rapist and a murderer or whatever, the, whatever he did, but he still set him free. And, and that's what he does for us. He sets us free from the things we've done in our lives and we don't deserve it. Barabbas didn't deserve it, but Jesus in this sermon, he, he says, Jesus says, no, you know, take me, uh, I, I'm doing this for you. And that like, whew, man, gives you some shivers when you, especially, you know, they, they put the sermon with the words and the music, it brings you to tears almost. And I'm not a real emotional guy, but, it, but it, it's, it's pretty eye opening. I saw that posting. I haven't watched the whole thing you, yet, but I started should, watching it. You should watch will. it. It's about an eight, it's a, it's a 45 minute sermon. I listened to the whole thing, but, the, but that segment that they made the video on was about eight or nine minutes long. And, I, and I've watched it probably 15 times in the last week, just realizing the, the things that God has done in my life it is, yeah, you, 
there, there's, there's no other way to explain it other than it's God. And, and he gets you through some tough times mentally. I mean, people, people, uh, battle a lot more mental things than you think. I'm not saying I do necessarily, but I have. And, you know, Dylan knows it because we talk a lot and we're really close, but not everybody knows that. And those are the kind of things that that I feel with a good relationship with God. And it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of self-discipline and a lot of real, like knowing that this is the truth and that God will help me through it because, you know, everybody that's been in that situation probably gets lost in the fact that they think they don't feel like it's real because they pray and they pray and they pray and nothing happens. But I sometimes I think that second that you say, okay, I'm done with this. I'm not praying anymore. You might've been one more prayer away from having your prayer answered. And maybe God was just testing your faith, you know, because, you know, it's gotta be real for you, for you to, to be a part of it. Right. He wants you to seek him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, thank you for sharing that. I know I kind of put you on the spot, no, with that, that's but good. I just, um, you, you shared it really well and it's very timely with, you know, us celebrating Easter and stuff tomorrow. And, mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, Ryan, I, I've had a great time talking with you. You, you know, a ton of stuff. Like, I feel like you're this wealth of information. Like we could probably do several podcasts with you and have whole, totally different topics. Yeah. So it's, uh, it was great having you on the show and I know you are really good buddies with Dylan and it's funny, Dylan and I are cousins, you mm-hmm. know, but he's, I consider him one of my best buddies too, because he's just a guy that, I don't know, everybody likes this guy. How do you not like him? Well, that's that's a fair uh, point. Yeah, it's the I've told Dylan before. I'm gonna say it's the Williams family curse, but it's not a curse. I mean, they are just the. I've had this conversation with Dylan several times. It's it's just the, I Jason's, just like a second dad, you know, and he's always even if I don't come around their house very often, you know, he's always just that way, nurturing, caring person, and uh, Dylan's a great reflection of that. And uh, you can always count on him to, you know, be there. So I've I've really enjoyed hanging out with him over the years, and enjoyed coming on here and you know bullshitting a little bit. And uh, I could talk about anything. So if you ever, ever need me to fill a gap, <laughs> well, do you have anything else that we missed? That yeah, we- I mean, this is not very timely because we just had a very beautiful moment, and I appreciate all the nice words. But uh, <laughs> I do wanted I wanted to ask one more question about the Reno thing. Yeah. Um, as far as the trucks you're taking, you talked about the hay truck, but you guys always bring multiple trucks. Yeah. So um, we're bringing the hay truck we're doing now. We're going to bring, I believe, our 1977 hay truck. They're both cab overs. Um, that's my grandpa's always just loved cab overs. And uh, so describe what a cab over means because I don't know what that means. So a, a cab over is, you know, the flat nose like a school bus. And it's cab over engine, COE. And so the cab is on top of the motor. Whereas like a conventional with a hood, the the motor's under the hood and the cab sits right behind the hood. So why that was such a big deal for hay trucks was because if you're going to have a truck and trailer, which means you have a bed on the truck and then a trailer behind it, if you had a cab over, instead of having a hood, and uh, I guess nobody can see this because I'm using my hands, but <laughs> instead of having a hood and a cab that's this long, because the motor's right here, you get a cab over that's up here, boom, you just got, you know, an extra 10 feet of bed space to put hay on. And uh, so that was a, that was a big, a big deal for California hay hauling was an engineering feat, if you will. mm -hmm. It was, it was, I was just talking to a guy last night, the, the 362 cab over, which is what we're doing now was, was just an some hay haulers going to hear this and tell me that well, you never hauled hay. What the hell? But uh, it was just the ultimate hay truck, right? I they the way they designed the cabs. You take you take one of the, like the one we're doing now. You know they got the exhaust on the back sticking straight up. Well, they might stick past the cab like that far, but then they engineered it. They're called recessed stacks, and so they cut out the corners of the cab and stuck the exhaust in there. And so now it's just flush against the back and that just gained you another row of bales on the front. I mean, just absolutely flawless the way these things were designed. And nobody would understand that unless they've seen it or done it. But um, yeah, and then we are bringing, um, we we are bringing, let's see, I was going to talk about our reefer trailer, but we're bringing our, my dad's 
well, it's George's, but um, the truck my dad drove when we ordered when they ordered it new. It was our first long hood truck we ever ordered new because we had all cab overs until '95, and uh, we had sold it, and then it, we bought it back. It got wrecked, and we bought it back, and then we restored it. And so we're bringing that one as well. And then we'll pull. We've got a reefer trailer. It's an old reefer. The unit's not in there anymore, but the whole inside. And I wish we could say. I wish I could say that we did it, but um, we talked about him earlier, Mike McKay. We bought it off of him and just repainted it. But the whole inside is a lounge and sleeping and shower and area. And it's all designed old truck stuff, Um, you know, old pictures on the wall. There's several pictures of Dylan's grandpa in there. Um, It's all like, is that blue spruce or pine that people line the inside of like lodges with? Mm -hmm. And it's got carpet. Uh, couches, TV. So, you know, it's a good place to hang out during the shows. A lot of people like to get in the back half and either steal our cookies and Gatorade or just look at the pictures that are on the wall. A lot of cool old artifacts that Mike put in there uh, over the years of the trucking industry. And then the front half is kind of more secluded with the couches, a little kitchenette area. Um, It's got water tanks and a toilet and a shower, but we don't use any of that because when you're at a show, there's always somewhere to go to the bathroom. Um, but he would he would go to shows and stay in the trailer <clears throat> instead of getting a hotel room, and so it's got hookups for ge- a generator. We got a little generator in the box that can run the lights, and uh, yeah, so we're bringing those three trucks as of right now. Um, it'll just be George, which is my grandpa, and my dad, Brad, and then me, uh, and then my uncle. He's going to go as well, but he's not taking his truck. But yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, always excited to see guys that I don't get to see very often. It's kind of funny what Facebook has done for the trucking community because I talk to guys on the East Coast every day. And um, last year, when we had this conversation when they got here, but last year I had some friends come out from Pennsylvania and New Jersey, and they were visiting a friend in Portland. And they, you know, can we stay at your house for a day and check things out? Yeah, sure, come on down and... And they stayed there for three days. I'd never met the guy in my life. And so his girlfriend was with him and, well, how'd you guys meet? When'd you guys meet? And we're like, we haven't. This is the first time we've ever met. And that's just how truckers are. You know, I think the male species in general, but it's just blew her mind that, she, you know, they went to bed that night and, and she told her boyfriend, uh, so we're staying at this guy's house and you've never met him? Like, what if he just shoots us up in our sleepers? <laughs> Isn't it weird though how when you get around people in the same industry as you, you can just automatically connect and start mm-hmm. talking. I mean, I feel like that when I go around to their mortgage guys too. Yeah. It's like, we've all been Everybody through Everybody understands same, each other. Yeah, you talk the same language, you, you have the same acronyms, you know, all those pieces, you're not having to explain anything. Right. So. No, it's it's a it's a great a great experience to to... To meet people, um, I enjoy talking, obviously, um, and I could I could make friends with a fence post if I had to, and um, it's just it's just fun to go and check everything out. Mostly just to hang out with guys that you don't don't get to see. You know, guys you've been friends with on Facebook for ten years and ten years. That's man, I've had Facebook a long time, uh, but just you you never get the chance to actually connect with them one on one and when you go to these national truck shows you do yeah well and for me like i started getting kind of more into the trucking thing later on in life because early on baseball consumed it for you the were, most part you were going mlb bro yeah i was trying to tommy tell, john tell, tommy me. john tommy um, john man he will mess you up he will he got me he got me unfortunately. <laughs> Snuck up and got you. But uh, this year's gonna be the first year I get to experience taking a truck down for my uncle and my mm-hmm. dad and I are gonna do that, which I'm super excited for. And I love going to these truck shows and you know, spend time with you. It's always the it's always some of the best memories for me, especially now. And then especially this Reno thing holds that nostalgic thing like the Brooks does, just because that was the last place I gotta go to a truck show with my grandpa. Right. So this is a big deal for me going back down there and like I under and my understanding's correct. The truck that my dad and I are taking was my grandpa's. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's that a, black Kenworth. Yep. Which was your grandpa's last truck after he had sold the other ones, right? And I, I can't remember where where he got it or how long he, he's had it for, but just a very beautiful truck. And I think Dale bought it or took over it once your grandpa had passed away. Yeah. So I think that's really cool that you and your dad get a um 
share that experience, especially with each other, you know, and take that in, in, in honor of him. Cause he was such a big, your grandpa was such a big staple point, uh, in the trucking community around here, ATHS truck shows, you know, every national show, you know, JW Latimer, man, he was, he was, he had the cool, you know, he had a cool truck. And so I, th- I think that's awesome. You guys get to do that. And, and I'm excited also to not to be a part of, of that, but just to be there with you guys and, um, enjoy doing what Bill, you know, Bill and George used to do and, and Bill's not here anymore to enjoy it, but he, you know, he's looking down knowing that, man, if I could be there, I'd be there. And you guys are doing a good job of taking care of it. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, all I know is now I want to buy a truck and a dairy, so I need to I need to yeah. come into some a lot of cash pretty soon. Well, yeah, well, you should come out to that Brooks show. You're right next to it. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, totally. from your house. Yeah, yeah. You uh, should for check some it reason, out. every time you guys said Brooks, I was hearing Brookings in my head. But yeah, oh, Brooks is just yeah. down so, the road. So yeah. Brooke, anybody listening that is around this area, um, it's the third weekend in August. The weekend, it's at the Powerland Museum right across the street from all the truck stops there at Brooks, right behind May Trucking Company. Um, the weekend before, I believe, or the two weekends before, whatever, they do the Oregon Steam Up. And it's basically all like steam and belt driven. Uh, I've seen I, that. Yeah, I've yeah. driven by when that's going on. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like machines or saws or something like that. And that's all still there when the truck show's going on, but they're not like actively running the equipment. Uh, actually, couple of them. Couple do. of them, they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a it's a Friday and Saturday, and and kind of it's turned into quite the ordeal. I mean, it used to be a Saturday only event when Dell and I were growing up. We'd all get together and go to breakfast with you know I don't know if if you'd come to breakfast with us or not, but your grandpa'd be there once in a while. And I did once. Yeah, we'd yeah. all go to breakfast with our trucks, and then we'd. Saturday morning, roll up, and, and it's right around the Arts and Air Festival here in Albany. So Saturday morning, you're rolling up the freeway, and these hot air balloons are coming up. And just uh, when I see hot air balloons, I just um, automatically think of summertime in Oregon and Brooks Truck Show. You know, it's just one of those things. But And then it was Saturday, and then everybody came home. And, you know, it's nice and close for us, 25 minutes or so. But now it's turned into, now that a lot more working trucks are coming, guys from out of state, um, there's a guy from Pennsylvania there last year, a guy from Ohio that I know that was out there. Uh, it's turned into, you know, a Friday Friday afternoon, Friday night that everybody does a big light show. I'll have to show you a picture. A photographer got a really cool shot with a drone over top of all the trucks. Um, and like you said, you like, you like the lights on that one that was coming up the freeway. You'd really enjoy this. Everybody's got their own taste uh, in lights. Personally, I like the old school glass lights. Um, which are becoming more and more popular. Unfortunately, the guys that are doing it don't really understand what the glass lights are all about, but uh, they just do it because it looks good. Um, and then Saturday's the show and everybody ends up staying there. My parents bring their camper up. We usually do a big dinner on Friday night, uh, either for any of our drivers that are there, uh, mostly for our family. And then also, you know, I, I had some good friends out of Northern California. They brought their trucks up and we had them in for the dinner and just a, just a big group. Ram, one of guys that works with Ram, he does a big, uh, lunch on Saturday for everybody. And, uh, yeah, it's just a good time. That sounds awesome. It, it, I'm pretty sure it's free, uh, admission in. No, I don't, maybe think it's like so. five bucks. Yeah, or something. It's, it's really some, cheap. some nominal yeah. amount. And, and all that's, and all that money is going towards is, is helping the show keep going, you know, um, keep the grounds up they got to water the piss out of that grass in the summertime to keep it green because truck drivers don't like show trucks or truck show guys don't like dust or rocks sure you know so that's gonna mess your paint up yeah well cool well thank you guys yeah i i really enjoyed this we'll have to do it again sometime or uh for sure i mean if you don't i I tend to ramble sometimes so that's that's good on a podcast (laughs) we'll just split this into two yeah perfect perfect right all right thanks guys i appreciate it